0: Hey, everybody, welcome to Spin is a four letter word, the Maroon PR podcast, all things public relations, marketing, media, et cetera, et cetera. Um, before we jump in, uh, Jen Renahan is with me. Hello, mm-hmm. Jen. Hi. Brittany Everett, our silent but deadly producer. <laughs> um, we have a great guest today, but before we get there, you know, we hit a, bit of a milestone this past week 10,000 listens, 10,000 downloads of our podcast, and we just want to say thank you. Um, it, I'm shocked, you know, <laughs> and really yeah. happy that people are listening. We've had amazing guests, people are really willing to give their time.
1: Yeah, and if um, you know, as you listen, we always encourage people to you know drop us a note on social media if you have a topic or a guest you'd like to hear from. Um we'd love to hear from everyone. So, thanks again for listening.
0: Yeah, thank you. Um so uh, before we jump in, our guest today is an old friend named Sean Welsh, and that name may sound familiar to some of you. Sean currently is the interim vice president at Towson University for Marketing Communications, and he has an amazing career. We knew him back when he was a young fledgling reporter at the Aegis mm-hmm. up in uh, Harford County covering Ironbirds and Ripken baseball and all of Cal Ripken things. Um, and he's waves up. He spent four years at the Baltimore Sun as a digital editor, and night editor. And now he made the jump to PR. And he's about four years at Towson and doing really good things up there. And he's got some great insights for us.
1: Yeah, we're excited to talk to him, um, you know, a little bit about some recent crisis issues they, they've experienced and also just kind of how he approaches earned, owned, and paid media within his, uh, within his department.
0: Without further ado, Sean Welsh. Hey, Sean, thanks so much for joining us.
2: Of course. Thanks for having me.
0: Sean is the interim vice president at Towson University Marketing and Communications. And Sean has a really interesting history, work history. You know, he was a journalist for years with the Aegis up in uh, Hartford County in the Baltimore Sun. Um, and then he made the jump to the dark side. He became a PR person and uh Welcome. Welcome to the uh, the universe of PR. He's been at Towson now for about four years and uh, keeps doing more and more great work over there. Uh, anybody who's paying any attention knows that Towson's doing some special things over there, growing as a as an institution, both uh, in the classroom and on the athletics field. So really exciting stuff happening. Towson, let's go Tigers. I think we have a Tiger in there. Yes, Brittany yeah. Everett is a Tiger. So uh, <laughs> all good stuff. So, Sean, just jumping in real quick, Talk a little bit about, if you could, the transition. I know it's been a few years now, but the transition, sure. what it was like jumping from journalism to public relations.
2: Yeah, you know, I, I think I'd always kind of seen myself heading in this direction, and um, it's good to hear we have another Tiger on the podcast. I'm I'm a TU alum myself and uh, was focused on the PR track uh, while I was here as a student, as an undergrad. So I always kind of had... Um, I guess a goal to get back in this direction at some point in time. And, and, and the media landscape as it has been for the last two decades is, is been so volatile for the workforce, um, that I, I kind of always saw myself, um, you know, heading to the dark side as we <laughs> call it. And, 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 I laugh as I say it cause it, it truly doesn't feel dark over here. <laughs> um, uh, but the, you know, the experience has been, it's been great. And, um, for me, I always felt like the, the way that, Um, communications, PR, media relations type offices were being built out uh, in the last two decades, most organizations really have the ability now to go straight to the audience. And um, I saw that kind of being the future um, of of this type of work and always saw myself go in this direction. So um, I had a great experience at the uh, the Baltimore Sun for the last five years, basically, as the digital editor there um, at the Sun. And that really, I think, helped prepared me um kind of for for where I wanted to go and and really the opportunity here at Towson was was the primary reason I made that jump um you know some of the folks that I could work with here uh, Marina Cooper who's now at Johns Hopkins uh was the vice president at the time uh when I joined and um Ray Feldman was my immediate supervisor when I joined and Ray's got a, an extensive history in uh media relations and PR in the the Baltimore and DC markets. And so working with those two in particular was one of the, one of the draws for me too. And, you know, I've had a great relationship with almost every media relations or or PR person I've dealt with throughout my career, whether it was interning alongside you all at different points or, um, you know, picking up um, tidbits from others throughout my career. Um, You know, I I think having good mentors around you um, can, can really play a, a, a huge role. And that was one of the reasons why I think I made the jump here.
1: So yeah, we talk a lot here about, you know, the owned media and being able to tell your own right. story as organizations. Um, has that really been kind of a focus of yours in joining? I know as you, when you joined to you, you were the um, director of media relations, so obviously very involved on the media relations side, but have you kind of switched or have you seen the role grow in, in how you take on owned media and social?
2: Yeah, I think the, so the own part of it, really, when it comes to our strategy is kind of the primary. And, um, you know, the, the audience we have here, our students, our faculty and staff that are that are all engaged here on campus, they're our primary audience. And we, we try to communicate with them as directly as we can. And, and we kind of extend that beyond that group to you know, parents of our students and our boards and, and donors and alumni. Um, and, you know, then you, you start to branch out to the other audiences, uh, prospective students and families and prospective donors. Um, you know, so we try first and foremost to communicate directly to that group first. Um, you know, Mm -hmm. especially when it comes to a crisis or anything that, um, that maybe we aren't pitching from a proactive side of things. We, we try to get the word out to folks that are in those engaged audiences first. So they're hearing it from us and they're not hearing it on the five o'clock news before they hear it from us. So, um, we, we take, Great care in trying to get the word out to folks here on campus first, but in terms of our strategy around, um, you know, the owned media, I mean, we've got a team here—a um, three-person video team, two people on the photo side, yeah. um, a, a small staff of writers here—and communicate as much news about the university as possible at Towson.edu/news. And it, it really is an interesting operation to kind of. Um, to step into from a newsroom because we really did have kind of a newsroom function uh, when I got here. And I think a lot of our focus over the last three years or so has been kind of prioritizing the storytelling to our community and then utilizing that almost as our news releases. We don't do the traditional news release anymore. And I think a lot of that is because, um, you know, we're finding as much success reaching the media through you know, the, the personal pitch over the phone or, or inviting them to come see something in person, but we're also seeing it through social media and we're seeing it through creating our own video. And, you know, we know now that newsrooms are stretched thinner than ever before. Um, so if we've got two videographers here on campus and we can provide the B roll to channel 11 or channel 13 or, or whomever in the market, um, we, we found success in doing that. So, um, you know, this fall, for example, we had a, a series of, um, uh, ribbon cuttings or groundbreakings for some new facilities that were opening on campus. And um, you know, those are sometimes difficult events to get folks Mm -hmm. to come to. Um, But it's something where, you know, the administration and those who've supported these projects want to see those projects kind of projected out to um, the audience. So we were able to utilize our internal video teams here to capture some, some talking points and some B-roll and you know, you get the mascot out there with the groundbreaking. It's always a good time. So, um, you know, we, we've been able to really utilize our uh, our team here to kind of get the word out um, through those those different channels.
0: Yeah, Sean, I think you touch on a really important thing: um, the shrinking newsrooms and the challenges yeah. that newsrooms face. But, you know, look, you can look at it in one of two ways, right? One, you could look at it like, oh, you know, holy crow, we're in trouble. These guys don't have enough bodies, and they're all covering four different beats and how do we break through the clutter. Or you can look at it as an opportunity, and I think you guys done a right. really great job mm-hmm. doing that, right? Here's here's a link. Here's all the information you need. Right. You know, not that long ago, newsrooms would have told PR people to beat it uh, <laughs> if you if you tried to tell them that, hey, we, we have some B-roll for you or we have yeah. a package for you, and now they welcome it, and it's become a little lot more collaborative because they understand they're, they want to cover it. They like the idea. It's a good story. It's one that they're... Their viewers, uh, or listeners, or readers want, and if you have some information, then they can craft. They'll do it. So, I think in some ways it's positive. You guys should be um, really proud of that work because I think you've done it better than a lot of people have done that. And we always talk about living in the owned, earned, and paid buckets, right? And Right. right. Um, on the paid side, we're seeing more and more activity in that, whether it's social ads or digital ads. How? How? Um. How engaged in that is your team uh, when it comes to kind of like getting out there with some advertising and paid opportunities? Is that part of your auspice, Sean?
2: It is, yeah. So we've got our our division here is a division that's broken down kind of into four buckets. We've got our our creative services group that is graphic design, video, and photo. Mm -hmm. We've got the communications team, which is you know media relations and the storytelling group, as well as our magazine, which we put out three times a year uh then we've got our digital strategy folks who are kind of responsible for all things website uh both what we're doing as well as trying to bring some uniformity to the thousands of pages that come up from across the institution yeah. and then we have got our our marketing and brand strategy team um and that's headed up by Tim Baldwin who right. you all may know used yeah. to be at the, at the Maryland Zoo um and previous to that was also a news guy at uh, at Channel 2 for a while and and Tim is um Tim's the, the point person for all those things. Um, but yeah, we, we do, um, especially through social now, as we, as we look at that target audience of prospective students and their families, you know, we're not going after students on Facebook, but we're finding their parents on Facebook. Yeah. We're going after the students on on Instagram primarily now. And uh, we're we're launching a TikTok account here in a couple mm-hmm. of weeks, uh, which is an area none of us have stepped into before. Um, so that's going to be interesting as well. But but paid definitely has paid some dividends for us on the, the Instagram side, especially. Um, you know, and hearing those things on occasion, anecdotally from, from current students, you know, we ran into one at move in back in August who said, Hey, I I didn't know about Towson until I saw, you know, this paid ad on my Instagram. Yeah. Um, so we immediately went back to the office and said, all right, we got to find some more budget for, <laughs> for paid for, for Instagram. So, uh, you know, it's, It's all relatively new for me um, as I'm, you know, learning this uh, as a former journalist and and kind of on the communication side. But, um, you know, understanding the impact that social really has um, is is definitely a huge part
1: of this job now, for sure. Yeah. And kind of going back to what you said earlier about, you know, the importance of communicating first with your own constituents, um, faculty, staff parents. Um, obviously, that's super important. Um, so shifting gears, just a little bit about kind of some of the recent challenges you, you guys have sure. have had. You know, how did you guys approach, you know, the crisis communications and, and kind of dealing with incidents that are out of your control um, on campus? would love to hear a little bit of insight into that.
2: Sure. Yeah, I mean, you know, first and foremost, you want to share as much information as quickly as possible, but as accurately as possible, too. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And that's something that, um, you know, I, I work real closely with our police chief, uh, Chief Herring here, uh, who's a fantastic uh, leader here at the university. And, you know, we, we've had a couple of incidents here, um, mm-hmm. namely the, the the primary one that I think most folks are aware of is the, the shooting we had in September, um, completely isolated incident. And um, fortunately, no incredibly serious injuries that came out of that. Um, you know, the, the first priority for our team was to gather the facts and share them with as many people as possible so that we could kind of make sure everybody understood it was a, a unique incident and something we've never really experienced here on campus before um, and something that certainly um, required uh, some some careful communications because the the other piece of this too is it involves not just folks on our campus but there were people uh, who were were not students faculty or staff of ours and understanding um, you know all of the intricacies of what happened um, plus in a, an instance like this you know we have our own office of public safety and, and sworn officers here at the university as as many public institutions do but the the investigation itself was being handled by Baltimore County Police and. So you need to this, – this is one of those areas where relationships truly become mm. a huge part of the job. And you really need those relationships um, before you truly need those relationships. <laughs> and um, this was one of those where fortunately I developed enough of a rapport with the uh, the spokespeople, the PIOs, so to speak, at the, uh, the county police department over the years um, – where when, when you need to lean on them for help, uh, they're, they're a familiar face and not somebody you need to kind of get to know in the midst of a crisis. So, um, you know, working with other agencies in an instance like that is, is hugely important. And we've shared that with our university system of Maryland colleagues at the, the other campuses um, across the system. Um, you know, get to know the people in your community uh, that do jobs similar to yours because you never know when you're going to need them and uh, when they're going to need you. So, um, in that instance, you know, we, we try to get out as much information as we could. And again, being cognizant of the news cycle, you know, this is an yeah. incident that took place at two o'clock in the morning. Right. Um, so I was on campus by probably about three, three thirty um, <laughs> that morning and getting as much information, um, from the folks who were on the ground as possible. So we could get a message out to campus that kind of succinctly explained everything that had transpired in a way that, um. You know, diffused any of the the misinformation that was out there, but also shared as much um, in terms of resources that we were providing for our students as possible, too, Um, because, you know, any number of folks may have been aware of it uh, at the early hours in mm-hmm. the morning, but just as many, if not more likely weren't aware that this was taking place. So, um, making sure that when people woke up on Saturday morning, that they, they had everything they needed at their fingertips was important. And in terms of timing and, and the news cycle, we wanted to get a message out as soon as we could before, you know, the news started spinning it, um, and, and going off of information that maybe wasn't accurate. So for us, it was, um, it was imperative that we get as much accurate information out As quickly as possible to the campus community. And then, you know, uh, we have any number of adjunct uh, professors here at the university who are are members of the media. So any message we write to our campus community, uh, we assume um, it's basically for public release at that point. So anything that we're writing, uh, via campus email um, to our community, we're assuming it's going to be effectively what gets out there to the media. So we're, we're we're kind of writing the the internal and external message at the same time. Yeah, that's really
0: important. I think mean, it's a good rule of thumb in life, right? If you put something yes. in writing, assume it's going to be everywhere, you know? I 100%. Mean, yeah, yeah. Hey, Sean, you touched on this a little bit, not to belabor the crisis comms thing, but we get asked a lot by clients, hey, we need a crisis plan, we need a crisis plan. And you know, you alluded to some really good best practices. Get, you know, get the message out as quickly and as accurately as possible. Get some sort of information out there, even though you know there's going to be some restrictions right. on that. Crises are things that you—it's hard to plan for because you know whether it's something like you guys endured, it could be something you couldn't imagine at all. That's on a random Tuesday, right? Or right. So we always say, hey, you know, circle the wagons. Try to have as limited voices in the public as possible be concise with the voice are there any of the like little best practices that you guys just kind of have at your fingertips like what something happens what does Towson do as an organization out of the gate that might be a best kind of practice to get your ducks in a row
2: sure you know and I think everybody does have that crisis plan right and and I'll before I answer that directly, one of my favorite quotes of all time is Mike Tyson, yeah. <laughs> um, who says everybody has a plan until they get punched in the mouth. That's, and that's I think weather, yeah. that I've, I've got that somewhere in my office on a wall. Uh, that is um, that's one of those that I look back to all the time. And, and, and truthfully, um, you know, I think that the key thing for us is don't put anything out there that you're not sure about. And that's mm-hmm. that's it, it seems really simple. But it's one of those where you you gather as many people who know uh, the details together um, and and try to figure out you know what can we say about this, um, but you don't want to put any hearsay out there because as soon as and, and especially as a public institution, as soon as we put that information out there that's in kind of that hearsay realm, um, that's not confirmed, um, you know then it becomes truth and it becomes something that the institution has shared so. You know, I, I kind of lean back on the some of the tenets of journalism there where you try to double and triple confirm things before you share it publicly because you can't take it back. Um, and, yeah. and that's one of the, the first things we do um, is is just confirm as much information as possible, even the even the small details, you know, where it took place, um, you know, when it took place, um, because, you know, the, the last thing you want is to have to update information even the most innocuous information later on, because then it starts to raise questions uh, from the audience as to whether or not the information you've shared is accurate. So less is more sometimes early on, especially because, you know, if, if any of those details, did I lose you guys?
1: No, you're here. You're back. (laughs)
2: So they're ironically, you guys are getting some great color. Um, they're running, we've got a siren on campus that they run a test on each month. Uh, I thought I still had 10 more minutes before they did that. So one of the things that they're doing actually today, not just a siren test, they're running a test of the text alerts now too. Um, so we have a text alert system, um, where anybody can actually sign up for it to get, um, emergency, weather, school closing police mm -hmm. updates via text message, um, so it's an opt-in system. Uh, so they're running a test now in light of everything that's happened right. uh, here okay. on campus with the uh, shooting in, in September. They're, they're running a test of uh, of the text alert system, too. So there that's coming up at 1 o'clock. I <laughs> thought I still had 10 minutes to go before yeah. that was going to be interrupted. I apologize.
1: Well, we won't keep you much longer. Uh, just you you bring up a really good point about, you know, being accurate and taking the time to be accurate, especially in this in the world we live in, with that everything is so... Um, speed, driven. speed yeah, yeah like it you need the pressure because you see people talking on social um, you know you have phone call, people coming in phone calls like you get it from every different mm-hmm. direction so I think that's a really um, important thing to keep in mind when when you're talking about putting out information that you do you have to take the time? You have to balance it, but you have to take the time to make sure what you're putting out is accurate.
2: Yeah, the the other thing I think I've learned too in the last few years is, um, you know, we're the central communications office for the university, but that doesn't mean that we're the only people that are getting those phone calls. Mm -hmm. So if it's, you know, our advancement office or the president's office or, you know, one of the colleges um, in a dean's office, likely getting some of that information too. So, um, you know, we've tried to make as much of kind of the the FAQ type information available as as possible and as widely as possible for our community to be able to share accurate information because everybody truly is a communicator on behalf of the institution here. So mm-hmm. uh, especially with COVID, you know our our primary um, vehicle for any updates on COVID has been the website and providing information there so that anybody um, you know that's in a role where they're communicating with any audience can can lean on that as a primary vehicle for for updated information
0: it's great hey sean last question for me is this just, just really about shifting gears to your students um you sure. know we we've created quite a little towson pop uh pipeline at <laughs> maroon pr thanks to uh <laughs> thanks to one of your professors and and i know a friend of yours ron snyder and sure you know Brittany came out of that or our producer slash videographer came out of that and um you know, Sophie Rogers, who just joined the team and more and more. So it's been great. But what do you I'm sure you guys get approached all the time from comms majors and journalism majors about, you know, where do I go? What do I do? What's the best route? How do I get out there? What, what, what advice are you giving to, to students as they start to embark on their careers?
2: Well, first, I think I try to catch them, you know, as early as I can in their time here at TU, because there's so many opportunities here on campus. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, if if it's, and and I oftentimes will speak in in Ron Snyder's class once a semester, um, his his students are largely already kind of on their track, right? They're juniors or seniors, and they kind of know what they're doing. Um, But even for those who have not gotten engaged, you know, whether it's a campus radio station uh, or a student publication or... You know, slew of internships and, and work opportunities across the campus. Um, those are kind of the first things that I would point folks to. And then there are oftentimes, you know, whether it's through connections like Ron to you all or, um, you know, to other friends and, and uh, former acquaintances and connections across the, the landscape here in, in the region, um, that's kind of the direction that I try to point folks. This is a fantastic community uh, for journalism. It's a fantastic news town, um, there's plenty of, uh, of work to kind of go around. And, and there are a lot of, um, brilliant people in this community, in this field. And I'm not just saying it cause you two are on this call with me, but, um, <laughs> you two, uh, certainly are, are, are people that I point students in the direction of whenever they're in need of experience and whether it's, you know, with you all or, or somebody that they, that you guys can connect them with. Um, you know, I, I think the, the cool part about You know, the the journalism, media, PR connections here in Baltimore is uh, most people are good people um, Mm -hmm. here in Baltimore at the end of the day, and it's a tough time to be on either side, um, journalism or in PR, Mm -hmm. but I'll say that I think a a lot of the people – at the end of the day are, are good folks and are looking out for others and you know it wasn't that long ago at least it feels like it wasn't that long ago that I was in their, their shoes yeah. uh, you know trying to do the same and I think uh, everybody's had that experience at some point in their career so I think everybody can kind of relate and, and looks to help one another out so. Um, you know, for me, when, when students come to me and ask, it's, it's get involved. Look around. There's plenty of opportunities here. Talk to your professors. Uh, you know, talk to your mentors here on campus and, and see what advice they provide. And, you know, when I was a student here, it was take as many opportunities as I could outside of the classroom, working for a student publication or a student radio station. Um, there's internships through our athletics department. Um, so there's everybody's got a role uh, in their office here uh, at the university where a student could jump in and do some work like that. So um, it's an exciting place to be for sure.
0: No, it's wonderful. And, Sean, thank you so much for taking some time out. Sean Welsh, Interim Vice President, Towson University Marketing and Communications, an old good friend of Jen and I's. I really appreciate you taking some time. This was interesting and fun, and it mm-hmm. sounds like you guys are doing nothing but great work up at Towson.
2: Thank you both so much for the time. Um, It's been great catching up with you guys. We'll have to do it again offline here at some point.
1: Come a long way from spending hours in the press box up at Rifkin Stadium. (laughs) (laughs) Hours upon hours.
2: For sure. And I've been back there a few times in the last few years, too. It's been fun to kind of see it from a different perspective. Yeah,
0: for sure. Yeah. For sure. Sean, thanks again. Thanks for listening to Spin is a Four-Letter Word. If you like what you hear today, please subscribe. Send us your feedback, too. We want this to be interesting for everybody. And give us a follow at Maroon PR on Twitter and LinkedIn.